Welcome to the One Call Flojo podcast. My name is Chris Harris. I'm your host, and we got a really special guest today. Probably one of the most talented sales reps I've ever met in my entire life. The guy's probably in the top 5% of all sales reps in the country. His name's Chris Pierce. When I was coming up in this industry, Chris Pierce was actually my sales trainer. And it's an absolute pleasure to have Chris on the podcast today. Chris, welcome, man. Thanks for coming. Uh, thanks a lot, Chris. I appreciate you having me. So I'm interested. So tell everybody how you kind of got into this industry. Well, my dad was always in sales and always in different entrepreneurial journeys uh, throughout his life. My grandfather actually sold Hoover vacuum cleaners back in the 40s and 50s. And so sales is kind of in my blood for me. Um, actually, when I was 11 years old, I got uh, dropped off at my dad's for the summer. You know, we were uh, a split family, of course, and my dad was too busy on one of his ventures. So he dropped me off at his mom's, my grandmother's. And uh, me and my brother, there was a, a Valley Hill Country Club down the hill from there. And we would actually walk in the mornings all summer down to the Valley Hill Country Club and find golf balls actually in the water hazards and scrub them off and sell them on the golf course. And, you know, that was 35 years ago and I was making 30 to $40 a day and uh, bought all of my uh, fun stuff every day on my own all summer and made a ton of money. Selling golf balls. Selling golf balls. Wow, man. So how did you finally get into in-home sales? How, what was the road that led you to windows and doors and roofing? Well, when I was 18, somebody actually knocked on my door selling magazines and I was without any um, direction and they ended up hiring us and I went on the road for five years traveling selling magazines and I became the youngest sales manager in the business out there and I had a crew of 24 people knocking doors across the country for five years and eventually I ended up hiring a girl that I had two kids with. Mm. She got off the road and was no longer interested in the business and I eventually moved back to Nashville to be with my children and uh, was looking for work and I found an ad for uh, window tight windows out of Cincinnati that were uh, looking for salespeople in Nashville and I applied and I got hired and went down for training with a week for them and ran a few appointments sold a few and it was all bad credit and eventually they fired not good enough wow so going back man so I know that you know canvassers and, and geysers out there every single day knocking on doors. Those are some pretty interesting guys to train, right? And to, to manage? Absolutely. But I, you know, knocked doors for five years all across the country. So for me, it was second nature. And so, um, you know, I did eventually get into that. But what happened with, um, after getting fired from that window company in Cincinnati, I eventually opened my own custom concrete business door to door. And I did that for the next 14 years, right? And then eventually I uh, went through some issues, as you know, with addiction. And we'll talk further about that later. But I uh, moved to Florida and it got clean and sober. And I found an ad for a window company and I went and interviewed with him. And uh, the rest is history here we sit today. Wow. So speaking of addiction, you know, home sales reps are kind of you know, it's kind of notorious, right, for them to be coming into this industry after having some sort of addiction. You know, I obviously I've battled my addictions before. I've talked about that on the podcast. But what were your, some of your addictions, man? How did you get through it? Well, so, um, you know, as we discuss on a regular basis, you and I have been clean now for uh, almost 10 years. 
And for me, you know, I was addicted to on anything and everything that, hmm. um, you know, anything that would give me a, a hit of dopamine and make me feel better, I felt like is what I chased. So be it drugs, alcohol, sex, gambling, whatever your addiction is. Yes, sir. You got it. Drugs, alcohol, sex, gambling, food. Just the next thing to make me feel differently than how I felt. That's what I went after. And, you know, what took me down was, was heroin. Wow. Yeah. And so thank God, unlike many of my friends, I was able to find a recovery before it got me. Wow, man. Uh, yeah, it's taken a whole lot of people very close to me, and I'm super grateful that I've been able to get clean and uh, find uh, success in this area. So sales is also that wonderful hit of dopamine. You know, what I've found is in all the years that I've been closing, it never ceases to amaze me the fantastic feeling I get every time somebody that I was sure was going to say no says yes. So do you think that that dopamine, that you think that's the reason that we get so many people in our field that are addicted to drugs and alcohol and things? Well, that's exactly right. In order to be a top closer, I found that the majority of top closers I've dealt with over time have a artistic talent. You know, they're different than the majority of people. They have a, a really upbeat and a wild personality. And so, you know, one of the things that that they're searching for, like we talked about, is that dopamine hit. And one of the things for sure in this industry is uh, the hit you get when somebody says, listen, we're not buying today. There's no way we like to get three estimates. And you're able to somehow work through using, of course, the steps that we use to get them to, on their own, make a decision that you're the one and they want to go ahead and do it today. That is a fantastic feeling and it seems to be miraculous really so that's a good segue into this so you know let's talk about step systems for a moment yeah. i know that you you know you when i came up and you were training me we trained under david yoho yes sir do you still believe in step systems and how do you um, use them today i certainly believe in step systems but i've been trained you know zig ziglar dave yoho tony robbins grant cardone you know in the magazine business we use a four-step very simple system so, you know, I have a tendency to always fall back to a much simpler system, whereas a 10-step system is breaks down the four steps into, you know, obviously 10 categories. So, you know, for myself, I like to keep it much more simple and focus on what I consider to be the most important factors in an impulsive buying decision. And those factors are fear of loss and sense of urgency as can you walk the listeners through kind of how you approach a sale? I mean, your step system as you go into a home and then kind of walk them through that, even, you know, discuss a few minutes about how you overcome objections and things like that for us. Sure. Well, I, I think the number one way that I overcome objections from the beginning is when I walk into the house, I ask the customer how they heard about us and what their expectation is for the day. And then I express to them what I'm there for. And the fact that while I'm here, I'm going to show them a working sample of the product that I'm selling. I'm going to go through some of the company stories and some of the customers that have purchased from us. And I'm going to leave them a price that'll be good for one full year. And you say all that up front? Like, I, I do. Let's say that at the beginning, in spite of what they're going to say to me, when I introduce myself and I sit down and begin the conversation. So you like to get them to the kitchen table first? I definitely get them to the kitchen table first and just to make myself at home and to let them know we're going to sit down for 10 to 15 minutes. This way, 
I can understand better what it is that they'd like from me so that I can get that for them. So that's interesting. So do you ever getting pushback? Because I, I know that, you know, sometimes when I go into a home to sell, people want to just like take you where they want to take you, right? Like, so how do you, if they're trying to say, Chris, no, I just want you to take a look at this. Give me a quick, quick right. estimate. How do you get them from saying that to the kitchen table? I say, oh, you know, no problem at all. I'm going to get to that for you in just a couple of minutes. I just need to sit down with you and ask you a couple of really quick questions and have 30 seconds of your time. And do you mind if I borrow a seat at the coffee table or the kitchen table? Which one will work best for you? Okay. And and then they let me on in. And and my big thing to overcome objections before I receive them is I break down the barriers that I'm there to sell them today. And how I do that is I get to the kitchen table and I express what I'm there to do. And at the end of that, I let them know that while I'm there, I'm going to leave them a price that'll be good for one full year. That way, down the road with the information I'm giving them, they'll be able to make an educated decision and make the best buying decision for their family. Okay. Because you really believe in the one call close, uh, you're there today, one opportunity. How many sales do you have one call versus follow-up systems? Well, at the company I've been at for the last five and a half years, my follow-up has probably increased by 10 to 15%. And that's only because the company I work at is a follow-up environment. Now, I, by the way, talking about that company, I subject, but you did extremely well there last year, man. I did well. I sold uh, 3.1 million gross sales. I netted 2.2. Awesome. I, yeah, I had a lot of credit turndowns last year, but still netted 2.2. And I actually made 290,000. That's pretty good. I mean, I mean, that's a very high. I mean, you killed it. I made $823 a day, seven days a week, 352 days that year. <laughs> That's awesome. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. I only worked about 40 weeks of the year. Mm -hmm. I was sick a few times at COVID and I took five weeks off at the end of the year because I reached beyond my financial goal for the year. Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time in Airbnbs, vacationing and fishing and on a cruise. Balance is very important in this field, right? Balance is very important for me. You know, my sales success is not necessarily my main focus. It's one of my focuses. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of my focuses is my family, as you know. Yep. I have a seven-year-old who I drop off at school every morning at 7 a.m. And I pick up at school every day after in the afternoon at 3 p.m. And I get all of my sales done in the meantime. And so, you know, if you're struggling or if you have a, a tough schedule, you know, it is possible to be successful if you have a focus. And it is important to have a family life at home. If you make $300,000 a year, but you work seven days a week and you can't spend time with your wife or your kids, you're going to end up divorced and alone with <laughs> a bunch of money. Absolutely. You know, and in my opinion, nobody wants that. So my focus is uh, multifaceted. Awesome, man. So going back to you're in the house. You got them to the table. Yes. And then uh, take the listeners through Chris Pierce's road to selling these guys. So I get them to the table. I express to them that I'm not there to sell them anything today. And then I'm going to leave them a price that's good for one full year. By doing that, I take the pressure off because they fully expect me to want them to buy that day. So I kind of get their guard down off the bat and I eliminate a ton of objections because they think I'm just there to give them information and leave them with it and allow them to make a decision at a later time. So after that, I go through the company story. I go through everything I told them I was going to do. I show them working samples of products. I express to them some of the products their neighbors are using. 
some of the people that have bought from us already. And I go through my company story, my general contractor's license, my $2 million workers' comp general ability. I go through my reviews and then I um, move into taking the measurements. So you do the company story prior to doing the inspection and the measurements? I do the company story quickly hmm. following. Yeah, I talk about all those different things. Now, don't get me wrong, depends on the customer. I may do that after the measurements, depending on how the scenario goes. For example, if the wife has to step up and go change the baby's diaper, I may go do the measurements then and do the company story when I get both of their attention. But generally speaking, I go into the steps of the sale if both parties are sitting in front of me. Okay, that's good. And then mentioning if one party gets off or leaves, that's your ability though. And being as talented as you are though, to recognize and kind of go on the fly and just- You got it. Yeah, and do that. You can't be rigid, right? Absolutely. You can't be rigid and scripted, although a script is necessary. In my experience, you have approximately six different types of people and situations you can deal with Mm -hmm. because, you know, everybody lives in a house with windows and a door and grass in the yard and a mailbox, right? Mm -hmm. So in general, you're going to run into the same things over and over again. The thousands of appointments that I've ran, that's been my experience. And I've found there to be approximately six different scenarios. And yes, each one of those are scripted aside from the general conversation that you might have based on what's going on that day. So the scripts that you feel is important, see, I'm not really a big script guys, you know. Right. I understand. You know, I I mean, I feel like that, you know, my way of selling is more asking a lot of questions, getting to the pain and then truly, you know, being there, showing that I care about the customer. Of course. Care about the problems. And then we try to build rapport by commonly trying to fix that problem. No, I completely understand. But in my opinion, that's your script, you see. You generally ask the same questions in order to understand who they are and that you care about. I get to get started. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. So so even though it doesn't seem exactly scripted, in reality, it's six different scripts based on the personality you're dealing with. Okay. I love it. And then you're at the closing table. You finally walk us through how Chris Pierce presents price. I mean, would you like the full spectrum of what I do? Absolutely. Okay. Because in my experience... For the last 10 years, I use a basically exact scripted version of this price presentation, Um, and it's based on financing, and it's based on urgency and fear of loss. Like we talked about, the top two reasons people make impulsive buying decisions are fear of loss and sense of urgency. Mm -hmm. So I implement these things. Um, So the way I do it basically is I am overworking the numbers, obviously, while the customer is looking through a couple of the flyers I give them, such as my uh, Better Business Bureau, my Angie's List, my reviews that I put in their hands for them to go through my brochures, my color choices, whatever they might be looking at, right? Mm -hmm. So while they're doing that, I'm crunching numbers and I have a price presentation sheet that I developed, right? So you actually present them with a paper. You don't do anything on the computer. Uh, well, that's one of the things that's very important. I'm glad you brought that up, Mr. Air. So one of the best things that's very important is to put it in writing. Mm-hmm. Right. People have much more of a tendency to believe something if they see it in writing than if you just told them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so most definitely, it's always in writing. I never just spit out a price. Hey, your roof is thirty squares. It's going to be fifteen thousand bucks. Well, people don't like that. So. Um, so I didn't develop this sheet of paper and the sheet of paper gives me a one year price as I promised them in the beginning. And it also gives me promotional price. So for example, oh, it's new year's right now, 2023. 
So I'd have a one-year price and I'd have a 10% off sale that we're having on the new year and it's good through January 31st. Mm -hmm. right? So the way I do it is, is I get all the information together. I uh, sit down with my price presentation sheet. It has columns for three different down payment choices, three different monthly payment choices, and has the one-year price and the promotional price. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, at uh, where I'm at now and also where I've been before, we developed something called the Showcase Home. Some of you may be familiar with this. Okay. So the old showcase. Absolutely. Um, so, and uh, as cheesy as it may sound, are any of these typical type of tactics that if you use them specifically as an individual and you present them as if they are a hundred percent real and what is offered, then people will believe you. If you've built rapport and you've built trust throughout the process of the first few steps that you've gone through up to this point. So that's really important because new sales reps coming into this field, they go through training. And I think that right. personally, it's essential that they learn a step system right? because it, it takes many, many years to really get to the point where you can recognize buying signals and Absolutely. kind of go for the close. But I think that a step system is absolutely necessary up front. But what you said was very interesting. You can't, it's got to come across as natural. And if you, you can't be scripted and, and rigid, I don't think. Yeah, that's correct. So that's why you are in the position now where you don't necessarily believe in a scripted pitch. And that's because of the talent and experience that you have. In reality, in the beginning, what you did was scripted. But over time, you've adjusted to where it becomes conversation. Correct. And that's all there is to it. It's still scripted. Right. And so the purpose of scripting training in 10 steps is an analogy that I always use is it's the same thing as in a mechanic. When you go to a mechanic shop, it's got this huge rolling toolbox, right? Mm -hmm. Got every tool known to man. That's why you go to him. I've got a fucking pair of vice grips at the house and some ratchet sets, right? But I'm not a mechanic, you know? Mm -hmm. This guy's got every tool that you could ever imagine. Now, if I go get a tire change, is he going to use all those tools? No. Of course not. So, it's the same way when you're in the home, based on the circumstances you're dealing with and personality and the customer, depends on the tools that you're going to have. But you need all those tools because that same guy might come back and need a transmission change and a flush and an oil change. Right. Right. So it's very important that you learn the script. It's very important that you learn the 10 steps to selling so that you have all the tools available for the six different types of customers that you might meet. I love that. So back to the closing. Right. So the process that we uh, were discussing um, about uh, the script that I use for closing and the reason that I also am very much into scripted scenarios is, you know, one of the analogies also that I was told or one of the sayings I was told, I believe it was Henry Ford that said, if you've got a great speech, don't change the speech, change the audience. So if what you're doing works and you found it to be successful, then you need to repeat that. Right. I don't need to make adjustments or changes because it works. One of the biggest things that I've found, and we'll get back to the, my closing process in a second. One of the biggest things I've found is that people do something that's super successful and then they make adjustments and all of a sudden they find they can't sell. Mm -hmm. So it's important to have the script to be able to go back to the ABCs of what worked and do that again. 
and probably also if, if you have a new sales rep and you're teaching them how to sell on a call, you want to be able to say, well, did you do step one, two, three? Right. So you can teach them where they kind of lost their way in that in that sale. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Or, you know, to be able to say, well, did you save this? Mm-hmm. You know, because before you went in the house, I told you when you get there, I know where you're having trouble and I'd like you to say this in this scenario and please tell me what the response was, right? Because again, we talked about there's only about six different types of styles of personalities that you're going to run into. So almost always, if you say, you know, a certain thing, then you're going to get a certain response. But it's important, I think, to not sound cheesy, right? It is absolutely important to not sound cheesy. And and that's where, you know, and the fact of the matter is the new guy that's learning a script, if you teach him a script, he's not going to sound cheesy because he hasn't said it a thousand times. Where in your level of expertise or mine, I've said it a thousand times. So it's important for me to make a slight adjustment to sound genuine, right? Exactly. That's the whole point. It's important to sound genuine. So one of the things I like to do in the discussion of my selling is not just sales tactics. It's about being friendly, being kind being generous with my customers, right? Having empathy. Having empathy, understanding, becoming what I like to call a five-second friend, right? It's important. So so sounding cheesy, then people are going to read right through that. They are. You know, I, I love this quote, I think, by Stephen Covey. He said, people listen with the intent to respond when they should be listening with the intent to understand. Absolutely. I'll paraphrase that, but that's no, kind of no, what I'm That's pretty much it. And the other thing is people won't remember what you said, but they'll always remember how you make them feel. Exactly, 100%. Right, and it may sound cliche, a lot of these things that we quote, right? But these are the quotes that make the light bulb go off for us to understand what works in selling. Mm -hmm. That's why we say these quotes and we remember these quotes, because these are the things that help us have the empathy and understanding of what works in the home. Exactly. You have to be there for that customer. In my opinion, you have to be able to actually want to help them solve their problem. Right. And and so not only do I tell them, listen, I'm a project manager. I'm the one that's going to handle this project. When you have an issue, I need you to call me, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like I tell people all this in the, in the business I'm in right now because it's so difficult to find quality installation, quality installers, right? So I tell the customer, and I also have assistants, right? that come in and handle jobs for me because I'm closing another deal. I don't have time to post permits and stand and watch my crew install. I have someone to do that. So my guys that are watching my jobs be installed, they may not handle the job as well. They may not answer the phone when the customer calls. So the guys that I have doing my... Sorry, we got a little doggy coming in. Yeah, this Django came into the... He's a closer, too. He is definitely a closer. <laughs> Take him to any beach, he anywhere. Was, he's yeah. definitely a closer. If, if he wants a uh, dog treat, let me tell you, I mentioned. <laughs> Absolutely. Urgency. Yeah. Like he's barking, so give it to him now so he'll shut up. If you're a single guy <laughs> looking for a girlfriend, I will rent him to you. <laughs> Take him on a walk. Where will he? We were actually talking about your closing sequence, I believe. Oh, yeah. But... Okay. So, so back to the closing sequence. So we get to um, where I'm adding up the numbers, right? We're going over the product the customer's purchasing. I make sure I go into all the details like X amount of sheets of plywood or X amount of windows that we're doing. Um, the fact that we're going to remove and replace and that we're going to pull the permit. I go through everything I already discussed about the project to make sure the customer understands what they're buying. And by doing that, I'm creating value, building mm-hmm. value, right? 
I'm building value for the price I'm about to lay on them. So I want to make sure I go into extensive detail about what it is that they're purchasing mm -hmm. from me. Right. And you notice I say about what it is that they're purchasing from me because I always want to assume we're buying. Mm -hmm. And that's also the way I talk to them. So I go, listen, what you're going to be buying for me today is going to be 34 windows. It's going to include removal and replacement. It's going to include the trim around the windows. It's going to include the permits. It's going to include everything that goes with it. And at the end of the day, when we leave, the only reason you're going to know we've been there is because you've got new windows. There's going to be no dirt left behind. My guys were a little booties on their shoes when mm -hmm. they come in your house mm -hmm. or do you actually wear booties i mean absolutely. i do too i think that's good absolutely or i take my shoes off absolutely if, one of the, either one of those two wear fresh socks absolutely <laughs> for sure all right so you know you want to be clean and have a clean appearance and um so so yeah i do wear booties in the house and what does that do that creates care that creates that five second friend this is a nice guy he does care about me mm -hmm. he cares about my home so there at the end you're actually you use i i do the same thing actually I use a lot of ownership language. I actually say, you know, your windows, your bathroom, your kitchen. Right. Language like when I install your windows, I will post a permit. Mm -hmm. When they inspect your windows upon completion of the job, they'll vacuum, they'll clean up behind themselves, and there's going to be no trash left in your yard when we complete this project. And there isn't, right? These guys do a, a very extensive cleanup, and I like to go through and check on this myself. So, so I go through all that to build value right before I give them the price. Mm -hmm. And then I present them with the one-year price that I promised, right? Do you set back and wait, or do you, how do you... So the way I knew it, it made me not buy the book, but it's the way I knew it, and I found it to be very successful for a long time, for a lot of years. It's not something that I've changed much, right? Mm -hmm. And the reason is because I sold two point. Won four million with this last year, right? So, so why did I change it? Again, if you've got a great speech, don't change the speech, change the audience, right? Mm -hmm. So I stick with this same scenario. So, so what I do is I present the one-year price, and in the beginning, what I didn't go over is I tell them I'm gonna I go through everything of that we talked about before, and I tell them I'm gonna leave them a price that'll be good for one full year, but that also we do have some different sales and incentives that are available right now if you like sales. And of course, everyone likes sales, right? So then when I get there, I give them the one-year price, but I also have a promotional price written on my price presentation sheet where I show them the 10% reduction for the New Year's special because obviously it's January 2023 right now. Mm -hmm. So that's the special I'm running is the New Year's special. I give them the one-year price with the 10% deduction and I show them, I wish we were on video because I could show them no much better. Next time, we'll be on video. So uh, I show them the 10% deduction. And then I, as I told you, I've got three categories for down payments and monthly payment. And uh, so I show them the one-year price, the 10% deduction, which I show them what that ends up being minus 10%. And then I take the amount of money that was taken off and I put it in big numbers with a big dollar sign. So if the job was 20000 Minus 10% is minus $2,000. So the price that's good through January 31st is 18000 And then I s draw $2,000 in really big numbers with the dollar sign. I circle it and I write save on it, right? So my one-year price and my promotional price do not have dollar signs. Okay. And, and when I present them to them, I go, your job would be 20000 And that's a one-year price, as I promised you, but I'd leave you. Now, right now, through January 31st, we're running a huge special, a New Year's special. It saves you 10%. It brings it down to only 18000 
and that saves you two thousand right? dollars mm -hmm. and i don't that's the only number that i use dollar mm -hmm. and that i write dollar signs on is the money they're safe okay and that's interesting for me it's just a little psychological piece the numbers they're purchasing from me those are numbers and the amount of money they're saving is money mm. that's the way i do it and then i also write down in my three categories for monthly payment and down payment big down payments so on an eighteen thousand dollar job i would write nine thousand six thousand or three thousand dollars down and then i'd also write big monthly payments so on nine thousand, and for example, it'd be three fifty dollars a month. Then it'd be four sixty for six thousand out, and it'd be five seventy for three thousand down. So I say, here's your one year price. Here's your promotional price we're running for the new year special. It saves you two thousand dollars. Okay, it's a huge savings. Now you can do nine thousand down, and it'll get you a payment of three fifty a month. You can do six thousand down, it'll get you a payment of four sixty a month. Or you can do three thousand down. It'll get you a payment of five sixty a month. Which one of these, Chris, would work best for you and your family? And that's exactly how they present it. And then they usually say, "Chris, honestly, that's a little higher than we wanted to they, well, put down." Or what I'd call in this system is pre-prepared objections, of which I have pre-prepared solutions for. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm setting myself up for objections. So you want them to say no. That's I'm on purpose guiding them to tell me that the monthly payment is too much, the down payment is too much, or the total cost is too much. 99% of the time, now on occasion, they're going to say the total cost is too much or, well, thanks, we'll call you later, right? Mm. But generally speaking, they're going to say, man, we can't afford any of that. Yeah. Okay, well, then I say... Well, which one is too high? For example, what is it monthly? Is it the down payment? Both. Okay. I mean, let me ask you, Mr. Harris, what kind of a down payment might you be more comfortable with? And the reason that I say might is by design. It's because it's not a hard decision, mm -hmm. a hard closed decision. It's a iffy decision. Like what kind of a down payment might you be comfortable with? What would work better for you, Mr. Harris? Mm -hmm. So, so that's the direction I go on with that. And if they go, well, the monthly payments, Chris, we can't afford anything right now. I want to hear that as well because I have an opportunity that I could qualify them for $0 down and no payments for 90 days after completion of the project, right? So the, that I have a solution. For ready. And, that, and that's your showcase on that close? No, no. I have a solution ready for any of the objections they give to me right there. And one of them is the showcase on close. But most of the time, I've got to go through a lot more. So, so the process... I spend as much time on the process of presenting the money often as I do on the first eight steps, nine steps. So I think it's important also for listeners to know, you may agree with me or disagree with me, but I, I never believe in giving discounts without kind of justifying the discounts that I'm getting. It's right? very important to justify discounts. This isn't a cheesy price drop, started at 100000 ended at 50000 This is a realistic 10% drop. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know about you, Chris, but everywhere I go, there's a 10% off sale. Mm -hmm. Okay. Enough. So my New Year's special is 10% off. All right. My showcase home is also 10% off. Now, another important thing to note here is that whatever my par number is, whatever the number that I'm willing to sell at, I always add 24% to that number to start my one-year price. The reason for that is, and now I'm doing two 10% drops, you may say, well, why are you doing 24% if you're only going 
up by 20 or you're only dropping 20%. That's the reason because I'm starting at a larger number. You understand? Right. You have to divide instead of multiply. Well, not just that, but like, okay, for example, if the job is 10,000 and I add 10%, that makes it 11,000 if I add uh, up. So I think what you're trying to say though is if you have a $10,000 job and you add 10%, it gives you 11,000. But if you take $11,000 and then you give a 10% drop, you are at like $9,800. What you have to do is actually take $10,000 and divide by 09 to get you the uh, right number to bring down that 10%. So that's why you do it at 24%, correct? So you want to be a par. Right. So here's how I do it, all right? If the job number that I'm willing to sell at to make my 15%, my 10% commission, whatever the commission is I expect to make, then the way I do it is add 24%. So if I add 24% to 10,000, it's 12,400. Mm -hmm. If I deduct 10% for my New Year's special, that makes an $11,160, mm-hmm. all right? That leaves me an additional 10% off for my showcase home discount. So if I deduct 10% from my showcase home discount, it's 10044 right at the number that my par number is. I love that. By adding 24%, what people don't understand that I've noticed this in all of my training, Mr. Harris, is that if I add 20%, because I'm deducting 20%, yep. 20%, takes it from 10,000 to 12,000. If I deduct 10% from that, it Yeah, it, 10, it gets you under the par. That's why, that's why I th- I, normally I just divide. So I'll, di- I'll divide that number uh, instead of multiply it. So that's Chris Pierce's closing sequence. I, I always ask top closers two objections, right? What do you yeah. say when you get, I have to think about it. You know, I have to think about it as very common and obviously I completely understand, but now that's when we get into the showcase home, right? Mm -hmm. So I dropped my original 10% discount to the new year special or whatever, the 4th of July special, the early spring special, you know, whatever the special may be. Mm -hmm. I drop 10% of that number and then I present that to them with my monthly payment and my down payment options. And I hand that to them and I ask them what's, what works best for you and your family. That's when I start to get all of the objections that you're talking about. Can't afford the monthly payment, can't afford the down payment, can't afford the total cost, not making a decision today. I need to think about it. I got two more guys coming next week. We'll call you on Monday. All of the common objections, right? So that's when the dance begins. My first presentation of this is not to make a sale. Now, don't get me wrong. One out of 20 people go, no problem. We'll do the $9,000 down. Mm -hmm. It happens, you know. Or they go, well, we can afford 5000 down. Or they go, we got a, our taxes coming back next month. Or we've got the bonus coming next week, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we, we'll do the 9000 down when that happens, right? Whatever the objection might be, you know, I'm prepared to overcome all those objections. I expect those objections. Okay, I love that. So do you have any daily routines, nightly routines? You know, honestly... We discussed this before. Yeah. My daily routine is to jump up out of bed and slap a cup of coffee in, throw my clothes on, and head out the door prepared for success. <laughs> that. And any books that you've read recently that you absolutely love that you would recommend to listeners? One of the books that I read is The Four Agreements. Good book. Yeah. That one's really important to me. It was written by Don Miguel. Yeah. It's a roadmap to enlightenment and freedom, and you know, which also translates to enlightenment and sales, which is translates to an understanding and a comfortability with the fact that I will be successful. 
and the four agreements actually could be a roadmap to sell. It's absolutely a roadmap to success. For example, the first agreement is to be impeccable with your work, which is like we talked about, telling the customer that I'm the one that's going to manage the job. I'm the one that's going to answer the phone if you need me. You know, I'm the one that's going to be there through this process and walk you through it and treat you as family, which I did, right? Mm -hmm. I'm impeccable with what I say. I answer the phone when they call. If I happen to be with another customer and I can't answer the phone, right? Well, I have plenty of windshield time when I'm heading to my next appointment and I make sure that that's the first person I call when I get back in the car, right? Okay. As a result, my jobs go much smoother. Let me tell you that a customer that you walk through the whole time and answer the phone and help them with their expectations and you're there for them the whole way, at the end of the job, you can do an imperfect job and you know what? They'll love you. Mm. A customer that you don't answer the phone and you don't do what you say you're going to do, you can do excellent work and leave one cigarette butt in the yard or one little scratch on something, and they want their money back. Yeah. So it's very important to be impeccable with what you say you're going to do and the results of getting paid upon completion. I love that. That's a great lesson. What's number two? Number two is don't take anything personally. That means when you go through the whole process and the entire time you're Dealing with the customer, they're saying, Dad, Chris, this is awesome. We love you. This is great. And then you get to the end and you present the price and they go, all right, we'll call you. Thanks for your time. Yeah. And then your first thought is, what the fuck? I thought they were going to buy, right? Fuck you. Yeah. Well, you can't take that personal. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what's supposed to happen, right? So if you keep your composure, you don't take it personal, you don't let it affect you negatively, then you can slow down listen and understand what the real issue is. And like we were talking earlier, we're in a field where you can literally fail and still get rich. Absolutely. Well, we were talking about the fact that I am in the top 5% in the country and that, you know, my closing percentage at this office is the best closing percentage ever in the Florida office. And that the majority of my job is failure. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if, for example, your closing percentage is 33%, just for example, that means that you fail to close 66% of the time, two out of three. Mm -hmm. So the not taking anything personal is one of the most important factors in this business and how to be successful. Because if you allow failure to create negativity in your life, then you're not going to be available for the success. Yep. Which brings so, us to number three, right? Number three, don't make assumptions. Okay. One of the biggest things I found with don't make assumptions is how many times you go in the house and, you know, there's uh, dog shit in the floor and, uh, you know, it's a total shithole mess and they live in the ghetto and you just know they don't have any credit or any money and you're like, fuck this. And you blow the lead off and then uh, your buddy that works at X company comes through and sells them, right? Mm -hmm. Or they pull, you know, a shitload of money from in between the mattress. <laughs> um, you know, I had an old lady one time where I'm sitting there and I said, you can do 10,000, you know, 12,000, 10,000 or 8,000 down, which one works best for you? And the old lady looks up and holds up eight fingers and the old man looks at her and says, what are you talking about? And she goes, I got 8,000 and goes, you do? She said, yeah, I've been saving money. And she goes into the suitcase in the closet. You know, I've been saving money for the last 30 years and gives you $8,000 in $100 bills, you know. <laughs> and so you never know. You never know. So making assumptions, you know, follow the process, follow the 10 steps to the sale, continue through the battle 
Don't make assumptions, give up and leave, or you're cutting yourself short. You know, if you drove 45 minutes to an appointment, you spent the last hour in the house talking to the customer, why would you fuck that appointment off and not follow the last couple of steps just to see if there's a possibility of it? You're there anyways, I will make a sale. Don't make assumptions, follow your process, follow through, and you'll find success. Now, the fourth agreement is very simple, always do your best. And they're all lined up, right? The yep. all four of the agreements line up together. So always do your best, follow through, do the 10 steps. Don't take things personally. Be impeccable with what you say. Do what you say you're going to do. Also, doing what you say you're going to do creates confidence in the appointment you're in now because you always do what you say you're going to do. Right. So to tell them that that you do, they believe. Yeah. I'll tell you what, guys. It's been fun today. We're almost convincing Chris to come over as a coach. I know that you've done coaching, right? I mean, you've coached a lot of addicts and things like that. I sponsor a few guys. I coach I got a lot of guys where I'm currently worked yeah. out. Um, you know, I close and, and of course I have the family life. And like we talked about balance, I love to teach and train and, and mainly I love to help other people be successful and to teach people how great this is because I want to show people how easy life can be. So, you know, we might. Listen, if you guys want to have Chris Pierce coach you right in, we'll talk him into it. Sign up on the website, One Call Flourish Podcast. Download our episodes, help support the podcast. Until next time, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me.